Hello, curling fans. Welcome back to another edition of Way Inside. John Cullen with you as always. This is Way Inside number 10. And this week I am talking to Carrie Galusha, very famous Northwest Territory skip. She's been to 20, count them, 20 Scotties. You know, I'm from BC. I curled out of BC for a long time. I don't know if you're familiar with the geography out here. Not the easiest province to travel around. You've got Vancouver Island. You've got to take a ferry or a plane to get there. You've got the mountains all over the place. You've got water. And I learned this growing up as a curler in BC. It was like, okay, if I want to go to a spiel, I'm in the car for four hours, six hours, eight hours. It's not like Ontario, you know. And it's just when you start to feel sorry for yourself that you think about Carrie, and she talks a lot on this episode about traveling to Whitehorse just to play the Yukon to get to the Scotties, having to travel through Alberta or BC just to get anywhere. There's like no direct flights out of Yellowknife. Really makes me feel like a wimp. You know, if you watch any of the videos on the Sportsnet social media, you'll see two of my silver medals behind me while I'm recording. I've also got a few BC bronze medals to my name. I think I'm at seven non-gold medals in BC championships. And so one thing that BC teams love to do, throw those medals into nature. A lot of teams will say, ah, that, you know, my bronze medal plaque from 2019 is floating in the Coquihalla River. Oh, yeah. My silver medal from 2011, that's dangling off a tree. So I love to imagine that Carrie Galusha, probably one of the most traveled curlers of all time, I'd love to imagine that her medals and trophies are all just out there in the wilderness somewhere. Are they in Edmonton? Are they in Dawson Creek? Are they in Yellowknife? Are they in Whitehorse? Because certainly in BC, we love to use our medals as uh, projectiles out of the car window. But no, this was a, a lovely chat with Carrie. I'm sure... A lot of you very familiar with her, comes from a very famous curling family. Like I said, has been to 20 Scotties, has made the playoffs out of the Northwest Territories. Not an easy thing to do, has really set the bar for curling up north. And we have a great chat. We get into all of that. You're going to love it. Here is Carrie Delusia. All right. Here I am with Carrie Galusha and Carrie. We start every show with a segment we call the top four. Usually people put lightning rounds at the end of the show. Not here. We put them right at the start. It's just four questions. I just want you to give me the first answer that pops into your head. Okay, you ready? Yeah, I knew you did this and I wasn't prepared for this. <laughs> like, yes, okay. Uh, okay, here we go. Question one. Which curler have you never played with before that you would want to? Jennifer Jones. If all the rocks are exactly the same, you know that both sets are great and there's no problem with either set. What color are you taking? Red. Nice. What's something that's considered a basic thing in curling that you struggled to learn? Calling line. How would your bitterest rival describe you? Probably not a very nice person. I probably <laughs> come off pretty kind of bitchy. <laughs> really? You think you come off bitchy on the I ice? I think so. People think I'm really nice, but... If I don't like you, I don't know. I'm not super nice. <laughs> you can ask my teammates that. <laughs> it's good that you like a lot of people then is kind of what it's boiling down to. I generally like most people, but like if you're disrespectful or anything, yeah, I don't have time for that. <laughs> you know, you and I have kind of only gotten to know each other over the last couple of years. And I remember uh, not that long ago, we were discussing 
uh, my curling commentary and you told me straight up, you're like, I think you do a good job. And if you were bad, I would tell you, I, I, I like, I'm very picky. <laughs> and if you were bad, I would tell you. I'm very direct. Just ask my teammates, <laughs> my coworkers, my family. I'm very direct. <laughs> Which I guess can come across as bitchy. Just because you're telling the truth doesn't necessarily make it bitchy in my eyes yeah and then if you have that tone which sometimes I do actually a lot of times I do <laughs> where I talk it, it just really doesn't come off very nice 100% my teammates are gonna laugh at this because it's 100% right <laughs> it kind of makes me wish that you didn't like my commentary so I could see like what the bitchy Carrie would tell me oh yeah about it, but... I would give you some tips and tell you what to do <laughs> and what to change <laughs> Great. I can't <laughs> Only wait. Only because I like you. <laughs> Thank you. That's good. I see, and that's what it all comes down to at the end of the day. It's just because you you care. You you do it because you care. Yes. First question, did you keep the Ford Focus? So, I didn't actually win it straight out. It was a 2-year lease and then I kept it. I bought it out and I just got rid of it during the pandemic and I was so sad to get rid of that little car. It did me really well. For people who are wondering what the hell we're talking about, Carrie won the hot shots in 2012 at the Scotties. And a, yeah, big a big two-year lease. I always remember that would always kind of kind of stand out as like, cool, I got a car for two years. Great. I know. One of my teammates actually won a car, though. She lived up in Anuvik, Kelly Sharp now, and she actually won her vehicle straight out. It got shipped up on a barge to a new back. Wow. But then they changed it because I feel like people weren't actually taking the vehicle. They were taking the money. Right. So then Ford wants you to be driving around in this car and promoting them. So they switched it to a two-year lease. So you got screwed, basically. I think the year after, I don't know, was it Rachel Holman one? And I don't know. She got this like sweet SUV one year. Colin Hodgson got a truck, I remember. Yeah, yeah it was a truck. Yeah. Like I was like, how do I get this little focus? But you know what? I loved it. I ended up really, really loving it. It was great. Great little car for me. Now you talk about the Northwest Territories. I'm curious about this because I feel like I, even I don't know this, but probably a lot of curling fans don't either. Just tell me about starting curling in the Northwest Territories, because I think a lot of us have this sense of it's probably a very small community. There's probably not a lot of curlers up there. Like, How do you and your family kind of get started in curling in the Northwest Territories? What does that look like? Yeah, well, I mean, it was mainly our parents, but my dad lived in a clavic way up by Nuvik, which is by the Arctic Ocean. He was actually curling on natural ice. And even I curled on natural ice in a spiel once up in Fort McPherson, and it was really hard. <laughs> it was cold. It was quite the experience, but it started with my dad. And then when we lived in Anuvik, he made the ice. So then my brothers got involved. And then I wasn't really into curling as much when we lived in Anuvik. And then when we moved to Yellowknife, they had a really nice big eight-sheeter club. And my parents were on the junior program. So I was basically forced to join curling because my parents were at junior curling after school. In the end, I really did like it. And obviously, I became a competitor. And the three of us, I guess we grew up there. I, I remember as a junior, I was curling every night or and practicing all the time. And as a family, it just became our thing. And it still is. I mean, here we are, like, uh, you know, 40 years later, it still is. You're all in the national championships this year again. And that's probably happened so many years uh, for all three of you to all be there at the same time. It's very impressive. I think it happened like seven or eight times that we've all been there in the same year. So it's pretty cool. And, you know, we always 
cheer each other on and message each other. And and even my brother coached us. It was just really cool because I didn't know if he was actually going to be able to contribute anything to our team. <laughs> but he did. He talked a lot. He put me in my place. He he really helped all of us. Um, and my team was like, oh, I've never heard him talk so much. And <laughs> None of us have. <laughs> I was like, I know. I was like, oh, you don't know my brother. Like, he talks nonstop when we're doing family stuff. But I mean, it was really good because I've curled mixed with Jamie. But obviously, we don't see Kevin as much. But this year, we I think I was at three spiels with Kevin this year, three or four, which never happens. But our team obviously is getting better and we're going to some bigger spiels. So then we'd be at the tier two with him. I was like, okay, well, let's just ask. Like, I didn't really want to ask him to help us, but I did. And it was great. He, we learned so much and we made the semis. So it was really good. Beautiful. Yeah. I mean, let's talk a little bit about the sort of, you know, curling in the Northwest territories in general. You know, I think, you know, the current system, all three territories have a rep. And I want to talk about your junior career specifically. Yeah. Because that the split of the three territories happened in juniors first, where, the, you know, Nunavut and Yukon and Northwest Territories all get their spot in junior. And the thought was always, you know, oh, it's important to grow the game in yeah. those territories and, and in the provinces. And I was curious, you know, you went to six Canadian juniors. You didn't have a winning record in any of them. And I think a lot of people talk about that. They're like, oh, why are we giving these spots to the territories? They go and they get their butt kicked and who cares? So can you tell me as someone who went to six juniors and is still playing and everything, what did that experience mean to you getting to go all those times? Like how valuable is the repeated Canadian juniors experience, even if you're not winning? I feel fortunate. I went to my first juniors in 93, I think, in Quebec. And I was pretty young. And actually, that's where Joe, I met Joe Officer and Jennifer Jones for the first time. Like, we've been at numerous events together. I've known them for a very long time. So it's kind of cool. And actually, back then, we were NWT UConn. We used to have to play yeah. off against the UConn yeah. to get to juniors. And then we had to do that when I got into my ladies. We had to play off against the UConn, too. And there was no none of it at the time. So when I was in juniors, none of it happened later. So um, they separated later from us. But I think it's important. It's where you start. I'm fortunate to have been able to go to as many juniors and mixed and Scotties as I have living up here. I have a little bit more opportunity, but I always haven't had the best teams because there's not as many curlers living here. It's very small population. I've had to start, I thank God for the residency rules. We were able to start bringing people from down south to play with us. It's kind of funny. I see both sides to the territories and how, um, you know, we don't do very well. And I mean, my daughter, she's 13. She went to the U18 and she never won a game. But if they don't go, how do they learn? Like, they could be the next Rachel Holman team. They've been to curling together since they were five. And you have to start somewhere. And hopefully they stick together and can, you know, move on up the ranks. But it's really hard up here because when we graduate high school, we need to go down south to university. So that's when right. we lose our juniors. And same with none of it. And same with the Yukon. A lot of people from the Yukon go to BC. A lot of people from NWT go to Alberta. A lot of people from none of it go down to Ontario or we lose them. So we don't get them till they're like 19. Whereas if you're living down south, well, guess what? You can go to university right around the cor corner. So right. it's hard. We lose them. And so then we kind of lose that development. And then you have to hope there's a team underneath that team that can carry on. So when I was a junior, 
there was always an older team and a younger team. But now that's, I don't see that in any of the territories. I mean, I know we didn't even send some junior teams this year to summer national championships. So it's like, we have to grow the sport somehow. We're, I mean, I know every province is losing junior curlers, but the North is kind of dying a slow death. So I don't know what needs to change. Um, I think we do need territories in all the events, including the Briar and the Scotties. And I haven't always said that. It is hard to watch the Northern teams. It is. Yeah. It's hard to watch them lose. And I and I was that team at one point. Like I've lost very big at Scotty's some years and it's hard. And I eventually just said I'm not doing that anymore. So I worked harder. As you said, yeah, you you've been a twenty Scotties and and in the first little bit particularly didn't go great. You know, it wasn't uh, you know, you had a lot of losing records and I've got a few questions about that, but what did you ever have a sense, especially in the beginning, you know, in your first kind of five or six, did you ever think about stopping? Were you ever like, why do I keep coming here every year and getting pumped? Not when I was younger. I was like, oh, it's Scotty's. I want to go. That's where you want to be. Right. Like, it's like Briar, the Briar. You want to be there. It doesn't matter if you lose every game, you want to be there. And you know what? Back then, I didn't think I was going to go and lose every game. Like, I honestly thought I have a good team this year and I would make some changes and I'd be like, oh, I have a good team. I think we can do okay. But I think I was young and naive and didn't really understand until probably maybe just six years ago. Then I was like, (laughs) oh, okay. You know, I need a team that wants to commit as much as me. I always wanted to travel more, but Sometimes my teammates couldn't. So we just went to one or two spiels or, or just did yellow knife spiels and played the men's teams. But honestly, you just can't do that if you want to try to make playoffs at the Scotties. And last year, our season, we did six or seven spiels. It's the most I've ever done in my life. And we had a great season. And even the year before, we did six spiels. We were in the pre-pre-trials and the pre-trials. And I was <laughs> yeah. never involved in any of that ever in my life or even close to being involved in any of those events. And it just was like, wow, okay, this is what it feels like to have success. And especially for a Northern team, it was really big. And I now know that if I don't have the team I have now, I'm not going to go to the Scotties. I don't want to finish last. And I've been there, done that. You want to go in thinking you have a chance to win or be competitive at least. Yeah. Yeah. At least be competitive. Like, you know, maybe when I, if I retire, Maybe I'll want to curl with my daughter and, you know, maybe get a couple local players. But then I would know we're going to lose every game. And it would just be a matter of helping these younger curlers out and moving forward. It would be a really long, hard, tough week, but it might be worth it. What were some of the things you were doing to try to improve? Because I, I know you, you know, you're very competitive and, and and you hate to lose. And obviously every elite athlete is like that, but you in particular are like that. So did you ever consider moving? Were there ever offers for you to move? You know, obviously Kevin comes down to Alberta for school, stays, becomes one of the best curlers ever. Were, were, did you ever consider uh, anything like that? Were there ever offers on the table to do that? Yeah, like I actually lived in Saskatoon and Edmonton when I was younger. I went to university as well. And I I actually curled with Lori Olson one year in Edmonton. And that was really good. I learned a lot. And um, there were offers, but I ended up back in the north and never looked back. I was like, this is where I want to live. And this is what I want to do. And back then there wasn't residency rules. Like I couldn't curl out of the territory. So, you know, maybe back then if they had that rule, I could have been the import or something. Um, But 
I ended up back here and I ended up finishing my schooling here at the local college. So, and then I went to university to get my degree. I'm at my bachelor of education degree in, at U of S and I curled again that year. And it was so cool. You just hop in your vehicle and you <laughs> yeah. drive to yeah. the next town or city, you know, and you're curling. It's just, it's just so easy down there. You same with Alberta. I remember my curling broom and everything just stayed in my car and then I'd hop in my car and go drive and I'd be curling in a different city or town you know up here you take an extra day just to travel get anywhere so it's very tricky but I think Kevin he was very determined to be the best in the world and he knew he had to stay down in Calgary and he went away to university and never came back whereas Jamie and I both came back so just a matter of choice Look, let's loosen it up a little bit. This is about the midpoint of the interview, and I always like to do a segment I call Dirty Laundry. This is where I uh, dig up information about you and then ask you about it. I've heard that you are a big reality TV show person, and I've also heard that you are incredibly good at binging TV shows in particular, that you're very good at it. I was told to ask you, what is the fastest you've ever binged a TV show? Oh my gosh, you were talking to someone on my team, weren't you? You know what? I've had to cut myself off from Netflix because like, it's so bad. Like, it's like if I start a puzzle, I can't start a puzzle because then I'll stay up till 3 a.m. doing it. It's the same thing with TV shows. There's a new the, that show Night Agent, I think it's called okay. on Netflix. I just watched that in two nights, like <laughs> a Friday night and a Saturday night, just last weekend. So I'm a night owl, so I will stay up late. And then sleeping in the morning on the weekends. I hate getting up in the mornings. but And I just finished watching Love is Blind. Yeah, me too. Every Friday, a couple of episodes came out. I hated that. I was like, oh, I can't do this. Like, I need, I need it all You want it all. Once. You want the binge. Yeah. Any reality, I kind of have a boring life. So <laughs> reality TV just, like, gets me going. Like, I watch The Bachelor, Bachelorette, sure. Bachelor in Paradise, Love is Blind, all those survivors my favorite okay i find it very exciting and i love it <laughs> my wife will say you secretly love it blah 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 love is blind's the only one i will watch she'll watch any reality she doesn't care she'll watch anything yeah. she watched the circle and all those stupid ones whatever dumb but i love is blind i will watch but i also am fine never watching it like if the new season popped up and I never watched it, it wouldn't <laughs> you, affect me in the you'd least. You'd be okay with that. <laughs> but once I but once I start it, then sure, I get I get sucked in just like anybody else. Oh yeah, hundred percent. But yeah, this season was I mean everybody on this season pissed me off. Micah horrible, Jackie horrible. Get out of here. You know what I mean? I think there's four seasons. This one was my favorite. Oh, it was the it was the most sort of like drama, like all the stuff mm -hmm. with Irina and Zach. And it's just, yeah, it's, it felt like everything was up in the air this season. Like anybody could do what they wanted. Yeah. All the other seasons, it felt like, well, you just you got to get to the altar to say yes or no. This season, people are just like, I'm not doing that. I'm not going to my dress fitting. I'm not marrying this guy. I, know. I was like, I was like, whoa. And you know what? No one likes Chelsea and Kwame together. And I think they're amazing. And I would I hope that they make it. Chelsea was my favorite. I Chelsea know. was my favorite on the show this year. I loved her. So as long as Kwame treats her good, I don't care. I'm fine. Yeah. That's good. all. That's all I care about. <laughs> the other question is, and this is, I'll say this right now. This is a potentially dangerous question, but obviously 2012 Briar, big moment in Saskatoon. Your brothers are playing each other in the three, in the three, four game. Oh yeah. And I have heard that you told each of your brothers that you were cheering for them. 
and <laughs> that you maybe got caught in a sort of web of your own creation by your brothers. Now, I think it's time to lay it bare. Who were you cheering for? Oh my gosh, I I remember I wasn't even at that briar. I flew down because it was such a big deal. Yes. I don't even remember who I was cheering for. Like, <laughs> Come on. You don't remember. Come on. I knew Kevin had the better chance to win it all. Right? So, but it was so cool for Jamie. Do not sit on this fence. <laughs> Answer the question, who were you cheering for? Oh, my gosh. Well, most people probably think I was cheering for Jamie. Yeah, he's your twin. But I think I was cheering for Kevin. Wow. Okay. <laughs> okay. All right. Thank you. Finally. And it's just because he had a better chance to win or because you like Kevin better? Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) I'm joking. You don't have to answer. Okay, good. (laughs) (laughs) I like that you were considering it, though, for a second. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I know that you're, uh, you know, you get called the evil twin, uh, you know, even though you're, uh, you know, probably not that evil. Everyone knows that's not right. In 2009, big moment, you beat Jennifer Jones at the Scotties. And this was arguably when she was at her peak. You know, I just had Jill Officer on the podcast, uh, you know, a few episodes ago. And she was talking about how strong her team felt in, you know, that era. You were the first team from the Northwest Territories to beat the defending champion at a Scotties. You know, you talked about how difficult the Scotties had been for you. Tell me about that moment. Uh, you know, what did that mean to you in sort of the context of your career? And, and maybe what does it mean now, like almost 15 years later? Yeah, that was pretty cool. We actually won an award here in the North for that, for actually winning. Like we won team of the year <laughs> and yes. I got, I think I got shot of the week award in, from that game because I had to make this lightweight, like, I had a role really big behind a bunch of guards. And then Jen had, I think she played like a short run and she totally missed it. And I was just like shocked. Like it was really cool. I was actually pregnant that year and I had trouble throwing hit weight. (laughs) I was on fire with draws. (laughs) I remember Jill officer even said that to me. She was like, holy man, your draw weight was killer. Like I just being pregnant helped me with my draw weight apparently and I kept making unbelievable draws against them to keep my team in it because I I mean we were being outplayed but I was just bailing us out and I had to steal the win but yeah it was really big it was like we were famous (laughs) because we had just beat Jennifer Jones and it was really really cool I think that might have been our third win that week and it was just really neat and then to win that award shot of the week award when I don't think they have that award anymore but back then they did it was a big deal so it was cool it kind of you know started putting us on the map a little bit so now we know the key if you you know start the Scotties really hot you're like five or six and oh you're just gonna have to get pregnant again just get just get pregnant start throwing last just but immediately so you're good for the playoffs and your draw weight will be dialed (laughs) (laughs) so shortly after that you know previous to the last 10 years or so you had to beat the yukon rep just to get to the scotties and you always represented both of the territories finally that division happened at the scotties level what did that separation mean to you because i i feel like it was something that you had been pushing for yes or no like where were you at when that happened you know what what did that kind of mean at at the time 
I was on the fence. Our association was really pushing for it. Never really talking to a lot of the curlers. Then relegation happened. I was mad about that um, because essentially what it did is it just pushed all the territories teams out of the Scotties and the Briar, I think for a year or two, I think my brother made it in, or maybe he wasn't relegated. I can't remember, but we were, and none of it was. And the Yukon was, which at the time was Sarah, my teammate, Sarah Colton. So we went to our first relegation and it was awful. Did not like it. Um, it was really hard. I think everyone saw me crying on national television when I missed a draw and we lost and it was awful, awful. And um, I was mad at our association. I was like, essentially, now all you've done is pushed all the territories out of the main event. And oh my gosh. And then that's when John Epping contacted me and said, hey, I want to help you guys. And then that's when we started getting better. So then we lost the second year of relegation. But we, you know, we were a little bit closer getting in, but we didn't get in. And then 2017, we finally got through relegation and we had like already five or six games in before we had the main event and we actually did okay. But holy moly, that was a long, long week. And it's funny because we weren't going to be relegated again after we got in in that main event. Saskatchewan would have been relegated if they had relegation for another year. So it would have been interesting to see what people thought of Saskatchewan ladies being relegated. So I always say that. I'm like, why didn't they keep it for one more year? We got through and, <laughs> you know, maybe UConn might have been able to get through the next year. And, you know, so it made us work harder. It basically opened our eyes that, OK, well, we're not just going to get out of the North easy and we have to make it through this mean draw. So it was kind of. I love and hate relegation because it obviously made me a better curler, but it was really tough, especially that first year. I didn't really understand why it happened. And it seemed like it had been done for none of it, but then none of it didn't send a team in the ladies event. So I was like, well, why did we do this? And I honestly thought us playing the UConn better prepared us for the Scotties because like the UConn teams were always competitive and we got those competitive games in. And now up here we don't get those competitive games in anymore. We went to a new last year and we played a junior team and two teams that went in it for practice. So, you know, it was an expensive trip to go up to a and do that. So I don't disagree when people say we should have one rep for all three territories. I don't disagree, but who's going to pay for that? Cause our team isn't going to pay for that right. to go play off against none of us. I mean, even when we used to have to go to the Yukon, we had to fly through Alberta and BC to get up to the Yukon. Like people think, us and the Yukon are so close. It's not. It used to be an $8,000 trip for us. And yeah, I mean, you took the brunt of the relegation, I think. You know, you you sort of ended up being the the poster child for the failing of the format. And I, I had that written down as a question, which you kind of answered it already. But you sort of spoke to it. Like the problem with relegation also was that sometimes a really good province just had a bad Scotties. And then all of a sudden, yeah. it's like... Instead of beating Yukon to go to the Scotties, now I got to beat Amber Holland to get into the yes. Scotties or or I know Carla Thompson from BC. Like, you know, it's not like BC people think of us as a sort of lesser curling light, but when you look at the ladies side of things, I mean, we've had champions and finalists galore over the last, you know, number of years. So, that's the problem is like you said, it was sort of the three territories or maybe the two territories in a maritime but then it's like, oh, geez, a really good province did bad. And now we got to go try to beat them. It's it made it very tough. It was tough. And I mean, I mean, like I see that other sports do it and I loved and hated it. There was three years of it and I was relegated all three years. And then the final year, obviously, I made it through. But 
it's interesting. And it just caused so much infighting between curlers and everyone had their own opinion. And it was interesting to see where people kind of fell on that. But it's over now. So who cares? Uh, <laughs> long gone. And, uh, you know, you talked about about kind of, you know, pushing yourself harder. And I think a lot of people have noticed this and you talk about it yourself. Really, the, the last few years have been the busiest years of your career. You're, you know, you're traveling down south a lot, playing in a lot of stuff. What was sort of the catalyst for that? What sort of spurred on this this sort of late career uh, surge from you, as it were, in in terms of the you know just the number of things that you're that you're doing curling wise? Yeah, I mean, it like I said, it started with John Epping contacting me and saying, "Hey, I want to help you guys get through relegation. See what we can do." For so many years, he had to keep telling me the same thing, and I wasn't getting it. And then it just like something just finally clicked after like. Three years of him coaching us, it was, I feel so bad for him now because I feel like I am at a different level and thanks to him. And it's just like things just make so much more sense what he was trying to tell me all those years in terms of even just release and strategy. And I always wanted to work on sweeping and he was like, no, you girls need to do this before we can even work on sweeping. Like your communication isn't even there. And like, oh my God, we just never communicated properly. Like it was crazy. And then now it's just like, oh my God, it's, oh my God. Okay. This is what he's talking about. And now we're doing those things and it's working and now we're having success. And so it started with him. And then we got Brittany Tran from Alberta. I had actually people reaching out to me to, you know, to curl with me. And it was up here. And then Joanne Rizzo, I was like, Oh my God, Joanne wants to curl with me. This is crazy. Like, <laughs> cool. I was just like, And she was scared to message me. Like if you talk to her, she will say it took her a month to actually reach out. It was just crazy that I got a message from Joanne Rizzo. I was like, wow. Okay. I don't know. It was, it's still really cool. I mean, even though I curled with her for three years now, but like with Brittany, I learned things from her, even though she was a bit younger and she learned a lot from us. And then um, she wanted to curl back out of Alberta. So then the opportunity came for Joanne to be our outer province player. Oh, and I also joined forces with Sarah. Sarah and I had been competing against each other. We didn't like each other, by the way. <laughs> she was one person I didn't like. She beat me one year to go to the Scotties. And I was like, oh, my God. I don't like this at all. No. And it was just like, didn't really like her. <laughs> Anyways, we, she reached out and I joined forces with her. And it took us a bit, but... I really enjoyed curling with her and I learned a lot from her. She was younger too. So, and then we just kind of started building our team and then um, we got Joanne and then we had Margot move up here in the middle of a pandemic. And you know what? And we all have the same work ethic. Like everyone just did what they needed to do. Everyone was working hard and I, I had never really been on a team where all four players are doing the same thing. Right. So it was really cool. And then Shona retired and became our coach. She's taking this Curling Canada coaching course and she's learned so much. And, you know, and then we start working with people like Kevin and, you know, it's just, and then we start traveling more and it's like, oh my God, okay. Sarah tells me that all the time. You have to believe it. And I never believed it. I just had this learned helplessness. This is going to go wrong. We're going to play bad. Like I really had to work with a sports psychologist to get over that learned helplessness. The last two seasons have been dream seasons. I couldn't even have asked for anything better. Yeah. I mean, you're, you know, you're at the top of your game, you're playing great. And you were even talking to me a little bit about this and, and maybe making some hints in the media that this year was going to be it. Oh yeah. It was supposed to be. Yeah. But you're coming back. So tell me about that. Why, why'd you cancel the retirement party? What's going on? 
our family goes houseboating every summer and I jumped off the houseboat backwards into a tube, messed up my back. I had a herniated disc, had to go down south to get some MRIs because we don't do MRIs up in the north. So, you know, and I had a herniated disc and I was trying to crawl and it was crazy. I couldn't. (laughs) So I somehow played lead and Joanne was amazing and our team was so resilient and it just worked out. We had a dream season, but that season was a struggle. And I was like, I don't know how much longer I can curl. Like it was really hard injury wise, but I worked my butt off last summer and I felt really good curling this year. Halfway through the season, the youngins, Sarah and Margo were like, well, Margo really wanted to live here another year. Her and her partner, actually she's married now. They just got married in Portugal last week. Her and uh, her husband, Dylan are, they love it here. They want to live here for another year. So that was kind of part of it as well. And our team just really gets along and we have a lot of fun and we're doing well. So it's really hard to quit when we're actually doing well from the North. And if we quit, who's going to go to Scotty's after us? We actually just decided before Margot's wedding that we were going to stick together. We haven't even actually announced it or really told anybody. Oh, well, there scoop. Yeah, we didn't we haven't we've been pretty quiet. Um <laughs> Sorry, I didn't know if I I didn't know I wasn't supposed to bring that up. Oh, no, no, it's fine. I just Shona actually asked me a couple days, "Well, when are you going to tell everyone on social <laughs> media we're staying together?" Like, you should. And I'm like, "Oh, I don't know. I I've just been watching all the other drama <laughs> unfold with all the other teams and and I mean, we've all been Joanne, Margot, um like we've all been asked by other teams to if we were interested in joining them. And I'm really glad that all of us decided that we would yeah. stick it out together for another year. Cause I feel like we have unfinished business. We just want to have another really good season. And then it probably is going to be my last. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, look, I'll believe it when I see it. Let's get to the extremely difficult own career trivia. This is where I ask you questions about your own curling career And uh, we'll see how much you remember. Oh, my God. (laughs) I feel like I'm not going to know a lot, but okay. Look, you lived this. (laughs) There are five questions. The high score right now is three out of five. A bunch of people are tied at three out of five. So that's your... That's what you're trying to beat here, all right? No one's gotten four. No one has gotten four. Like I said, Carrie, it is extremely difficult. Own career trivia. Okay. Okay, here we go. Question one. You first went to the Canadian Juniors as a fifth in 1992. At that championships, three of the skips would go on to represent their province as skips at the Scotties. Name any two. Amber, Holland. Yep, that's one. (laughs) That was the easy one, in my opinion. That's why I made you name two. They were all blonde and had big hair, and I remember them. Um, 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 um. Jennifer wasn't there yet, I don't think. Nope. Or was she? No. No. That's a free hint I just gave you there. Oh my gosh. I don't know. I'm drawing a blank. I don't know. Uh, the other two were Allison McInnes. Oh, from BC. Yeah. And Robin McPhee. Oh my God. Robin was there? Okay. Oh, for one, that's okay. Question number two. I ask a lot of people about their first game at the Scotties or Briar because I feel like people do have a pretty good memory for their first game. So at your first Scotties as a skip, which was in 2001, you won your first game against... This is not the question. Do you remember who your first game was against? We won our first game. (laughs) You did. You won your first game in 2001. 
So you don't even remember that you won. Maybe no. I should have just asked if you won or lost. No. All I remember is we played Michelle Inglot one game because it was televised on TSN. That's all I remember. And losing to Renee Sonnenberg. Nope. This, your first game was against Newfoundland and Labrador's Heather Strong. Oh, Heather. We beat Heather. Yeah. Okay. The okay. question is, which I, d- I now don't have faith that you're going to answer this <laughs> at all. What, what, was, no. what was the score? Oh, my God. <laughs> was it like 6-5? close four three. Oh, for two okay let's get you on the board here let's get you on the board here question number three at the 2009 scotties as we talked about earlier you beat jennifer jones and at that scotties you also beat another team that would finish the tournament with a winning record who was it my team's gonna get mad at me because they're like you never forget a game you remember every game ever played but as i've gotten older i don't remember as well was it team bc it was not Team BC, no. No, I, I actually, that was stupid because we I never beat Team BC ever. That was silly. <laughs> Alberta. Nope. <laughs> oh, I don't know, John. <laughs> uh, oh, that's evident. It was uh, Krista McCarvel who was uh, representing Ontario that year. Oh my God, I don't even remember playing her. <laughs> yeah, well. I beat Krista McCarvel? Oh my God, I always saw my team, I never beat her. Yeah, okay. you beat her at the I 2009 Scotties. Yeah. Wow. One time. Okay. Yep. There you go. Okay. Let's, we got to get you on the board here. We're, we're over three in the 2020 Scotties, which was your first Scotties. Is that Moose Yes. With your first Scotties with Joanne Rizzo. Yeah. Uh, you laid a pretty big beating on Newfoundland and Labrador. Yeah. Stacey Curtis. How many points did you score? 14. 14 is right. There we go. <laughs> yes. There you go. There you go. Do you remember how many points she scored? Was it one? Two. 14 two. to two was the final okay. score. Okay. So there you go. We're on the Yay, board. One. I'm the, I didn't go over. <laughs> you didn't go over. Yes. Final question. Let's see if you can get to a respectable two. Okay. Uh, from 2001 to 2009, you competed in seven Scotties. Two of those seven were held in Ontario. Which two cities were they held in? I want to say London, but I think that was later. No, London is one. And Kingston. Oh, so close. Ugh. London and Sudbury. Oh, Sudbury. That was my first Scotties. Oh, my God. <laughs> and Kingston was later. Uh, that, that was really bad. That was 2001. I never forgot. It's my first Scotties. <laughs> but you forgot both of the questions I asked you about it. So maybe you have forgotten. Maybe it's we've got to get Curling Canada on the phone. But maybe you should subscribe to Curling Canada Plus. Start watching some tapes. Uh, okay, this is the final segment of the show, the extra end. This is where you get a question from my previous guest, uh, which was Matt Dunstone. And his question was, I want to know what our next guests, uh, what, what would be their go-to cheat meal and alcoholic beverage? A hundred percent. Margo and I always go to McDonald's. <laughs> <laughs> always. Well, even when we came back from, well, we didn't win. We came home from, we were freaking had to isolate because of COVID. We yeah. went, the first stop we did was McDonald's. But yeah, we, after Nuvik, I think we went to McDonald's. We always go to McDonald's. I love that. I don't think Joanne really likes McDonald's, but the rest of us love it. Joanne seems like she maybe wouldn't like McDonald's. No, she doesn't. She doesn't like Subway, doesn't like McDonald's. Oh, yeah. Joanne. Anyways. What's your go-to at McDonald's? I like the junior chicken. It's like the best. Oh, junior chickens are very good. Yeah. And maybe two of them. <laughs> Margo will get a Big Mac 
and junior chicken. Like it's we're we're all about the burgers. We don't care about the fries. <laughs> I love that. This is only episode 10 of this podcast. And it's amazing how many times like going to fast food places after a <laughs> spiel, like my team used to do it all the time. And I thought we were very yeah. unique. We we were like, oh yeah, the right after a spiel, we go to McDonald's. But, and also 100%. it maybe runs in the family because Tyler Tardy, when he was on this show, talked about how your brother took him to McDonald's after a tough spiel loss. <laughs> And Tyler hates oh, McDonald's funny. apparently, but he oh, like, yeah. but he's, he, he took one for the team. Cause he's like, well, Kevin Cooey's asking me to go to McDonald's. <laughs> so I guess I got to go to McDonald's. I know he better go. <laughs> Incredible. And I guess you're not having alcohol cause he, he said alcoholic beverage, but you're, you're going to McDonald's. So there's no, we're going to McDonald's, but then like we're a team that has a nightcap every single night and i like i like my ciders but i'm just learning to drink wine right now so i'm getting there the girls like wine and gin but i'm more of a cider person and learning to drink wine you're growing up into the wine yeah i'm starting with the white i'm slowly getting (laughs) to the red next year if you ask me this question, it might be a wine. <laughs> Carrie, thank you so much for being on the show. Pleasure to have you. Before we go, uh, a chance to plug your sponsors. Uh, tell us, uh, you know, who's helping you out? Well, living up north, we have to get a lot of sponsors. Um, but we landed a new one this year, Canadian North. They flew us around um, to Alberta and up to Nevik, and they're awesome. Um, and we have Detoncho. Uh, logistics. You know, Ash and Curling's been really good to us. Arnold and Amanda have really stuck by us. Um, we have RBC. What else? We have some smaller local northern uh, places, Metis Development Corporation. Um, we have a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And some of them are smaller, some of them are bigger, but like it's, we, you know what, we take what we can get and it's great. Like All West Glass. That's another one that's like supported us throughout the years. And Stu Sells, we're lucky to have him from Ontario. We're lucky to have some Ontario sponsors. Great. Thank you, Carrie. You're the best. Thanks, John. All right, there you have it. That is the show for this week. I know we normally finish off the show with an extended segment, but Carrie and I went a little long, so we're we're packing it in this week. We just had a, had a great chat with Carrie. We don't need to add another segment to the end all the time. We can just send you on your merry way. The curling season is winding down. We're winding down here at Way Inside. So let's just go off into the distance together. Thank you so much to Carrie again for the interview. Thank you to Mike Rogerson for producing, to Amal and Kevin and Warren and Jim and Griffin and everybody at Sportsnet. Thank you to you for listening. If you like what you hear, you can follow me on Twitter at Cullen on Curling. You can also subscribe to my Substack. It's a fun newsletter platform. I'm writing some stuff every week or two over on there. It's cullenoncurling.substack.com. You're the best. We'll be back here again in two Thursdays from now. Appreciate you listening. And remember, if you're going to be inside, be way inside.